0: Welcome to Real Catholic Men, a boot camp for male spirituality. Our ultimate mission, to bring men to a greater understanding of their God-given roles within their families, the church, and the world. Here's your host, David Renshaw.
1: Alright, welcome again to Real Catholic Men, the radio program. And one thing we want to do here from time to time on this program is bring in men from around the country to give their testimony, kind of where they've come from and where they are now in their journey of becoming a real Catholic man. And Today, I'm pleased to welcome Joe McClain. Joe is one of those guys who has probably more titles than anybody I can think of. He's, you know, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a podcaster, he's a, a, a speaker, he's a radio show host. Anything else I'm missing, Joe?
0: Well, there's a few other names out there, but this is a family show, so we probably couldn't mention those.
1: We'd have to ask your wife for those particular titles, right?
0: Exactly. Well, exactly. Joe
1: McClain, welcome to The Real Healthy Man. really appreciate you being here.
0: Thanks so much, David. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you.
1: Well, Joe, the reason that we want to talk to you today is you, again, are one of those kind of people who kind of came from a background or an area where people are kind of wondering how you got to where you are today. And so one thing we want to talk about is, is men's testimonies and, and how they are following the, the call of God. And so we're going to take time this program for you to kind of lay out who you are, where you've come from. You know, give us the the, the Joe 101 <laughs> class And let us know, you know, what you're doing now, where you've come from, and how God has worked in your life.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, like every other guy, I'm mostly a (laughs) knuckle-dragger, and uh, which is pretty much the biggest reason why I call myself the Catholic hack, so that I don't uh, express any false ideas of uh, grandeur, you know, (laughs) scholarly aptitude. I'm just a regular, passionate layman. But You know, for me, my whole journey starts like everybody else when you're just a young child. When I remember back to my youngest years, I'm a product of a broken home like so many others in in this world. But I can remember thinking back when I was just a little boy, uh, and I remember things that my father was doing. Uh, My father, you see, was addicted to pornography. My father was addicted to sexual license. In other words, his perverse concept of what sexuality was uh, led him to fall prey to his temptations, and it affected me severely even as a young child. And when my parents were divorced, it really devastated me emotionally, and it led to many problems over the years. But I remember even back as, you know, as early as 8, 9, and 10 picking up pornography from my father and uh, allowing that to destroy my, my whole outlook on the world, especially as it pertained to not only myself but to women. And by the time I was a teenager, um, there was no goal in my life other than conquests, other than, you know, seeing how many conquests, sexual conquests I could acquire, how many trophies could I put on my trophy case. That to me meant everything. And you see, I didn't view women as human persons. To me, they were nothing more than objects. And that was my whole outlook on the world. Even though that was how I felt and I thought internally, I never, you know, said these things. I never... Communicated them to anyone else. I just simply lived like this was normal. This was normal behavior for me. I was already very much addicted to pornography. Well, by the time I was 17, uh, the first Gulf War broke out, and I was gung ho. I wanted to serve my country like my father and my grandfather. And so I signed up for the Marine Corps. My mother had to sign me over, actually, at 17 years old, to give them permission to come and take me. And they did. The recruiters picked me up and from my mother's house and took me off to boot camp where I excelled. I actually graduated number one out of 450 Marines, and I was the company honor man. My name was in lights, and I was somebody, I was something, I was proud. And my parents both came to uh, see me graduate, and you know, I was on top of the world. And then I was let loose after graduating boot camp, let loose on the world. And there was nobody there to stop me from doing whatever I wanted. In fact, quite the opposite. My behaviors were encouraged. I was now going to nightclubs and, and uh, you know, using way too much alcohol. And, and everybody around me was sort of in this world of, of sort of hidden darkness. You know, it was the unspoken truth. Nobody wanted to really admit the issue of, um, of abuse of alcohol, abuse of women, abuse of our own sexual uh, purity and integrity. Nobody wanted to talk about these things, but yet they existed. And almost everywhere I looked, There was a quiet despair among men. And I was assigned much to my own uh, chagrin to Kanyuei Bay, Hawaii. Now I was (laughs) 24. I say that with sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek because, I mean, what better place to go than Hawaii? I mean, you're a young man. You're at the top of your game. You're just like, oh, this is great. Hawaii, this is a beautiful place. Lots of uh, scantily clad women. It's just going to be like a playground, right? Well, I used it for all that it's worth. I spent all of my time there trying to, again, acquire conquests. And there's one particular incident that still haunts me to this day. I had uh, had relations with this one particular girl and um, she became pregnant and she needed to go and deal with this. And when they said they brought up the abortion word, I was like, sure, no problem, you know, whatever it takes. And so I drove this girl down to the clinic now because I am the coward I was. I walked her into the clinic, sat her down, made sure she got checked in. As soon as she was taken by the nurse and rounded that corner where I couldn't see her any longer, I immediately got up and walked out. You see, this clinic was right across the street from the Honolulu uh, Mall. And so I walked right across the parking lot there, walked into the mall, walked right to the food court, and started looking for women. And so I found one and exchanged phone numbers, and I was trying to do all my smooth talking. And while I'm sitting there trying to get the numbers off this one girl, another girl behind me is is in a clinic all by herself, destroying the life within her womb, because I wasn't the man I needed to be to protect that life. I didn't step up that day. In fact, I destroyed that life. And so that haunts me even to this day, even though I've confessed it and God is worthy to forgive and has forgiven It still haunts me that that's the kind of man that I was, because I allowed myself to be totally engulfed in pornography, into this idea that we were born as sexual creatures. I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. Well, long story short, because I desired nothing more than to self-satisfy, nothing more than to please myself, to be totally all about me, I no longer desired to serve my country in honor and dignity and respect, I was all about me. And so when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was, uh, you know, depressed. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what my life was going to amount to. I succumbed to even greater, you know, bouts of intoxication. I spent all of my money in strip clubs and trying to find that answer to fill that void within me, just looking for truth and, and the answer, and I didn't find it. And it was amazing. I survived as long as I did. But I ended up going to a broadcasting school in Oklahoma City, in Del City, Oklahoma. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I had these aptitudes for radio, so maybe I can make a career again out of this. Maybe I'll find what I'm looking for in this. And it gave me direction. And when I graduated the school, I sold my only car and uh, bought a train ticket, got on a train in Dallas, and then got off the train April 1st, 1997 in Boston, Massachusetts, and to actually a two-foot snowstorm, which kind of freaked <laughs> me out, you know, being April and all. But at any rate, I got off the train there, and I went to move with, live with my father, because my father and I hadn't really lived with one another since the divorce. We had visited, obviously, and, and those kinds of things, but I never lived with him, and I wanted to live with him. I wanted to be closer to him. But no sooner than I moved in with him did I find his stash of pornography, and again, became... <sighs> Uh, you know, enthralled deeply into that world, once again, finding myself in depression and in and, and shame. Well, through my work in radio, because I did land two jobs there, I actually met my what would become my future wife. She heard me on the radio one day, and she actually thought I was funny. But, uh, you know, I can fool anybody. So right. it, I met her at a live remote. I was broadcasting from a pizza joint in Nashua, New Hampshire, and she came to visit me. And the minute I set eyes on her, I knew that she would be the one. And that night, even though I never prayed to God, I prayed to God that night and thanked him and asked him that she be the one that I would marry. Well, turns out she was a cradle Catholic. She said, well, if we're going to get married, you're going to have to become Catholic, too. I'm like, "I I don't care. I'm pretty much agnostic. You know, all roads led to heaven to me. It made no difference. I grew up in the Church of Christ, a very conservative uh, Christian denomination, ultra-literal Bible interpreters. But I fell away, obviously, as a teenager. It had no relevance to me, and I wanted to be a man of the world. you know. And I I put all my efforts in, as I said, to destroying not only myself but this world. So to me, it didn't matter. I didn't care. Whatever it took, I just wanted to marry her. And so I joined the RCIA program. And to fast forward again, I, I just remember sitting there one night, as the RCIA group met, and the facilitator started to go over the Beatitudes. Now, I had heard the Beatitudes before. It wasn't unfamiliar to me. But that night, I sat there, and I listened to them read the Beatitudes. And I closed my eyes, and I was sort of internalizing it. And I remember thinking to myself quite clearly, this is truth. What Jesus is saying here is talking about holiness, seeking holiness, and this is true. And then I thought, I am everything but that. Right. I am not what he's saying. I am not seeking what he's saying. I am nowhere near in the same ballpark as what he's talking about in these Beatitudes. And then I thought to myself, it's a good thing I have got a lot of time on my hands
1: <laughs>
0: to change. How naive of a thought that is. You know? But that's exactly what I thought. That's what went through my mind because that night I knew, given the opportunity, I would go and abuse uh, pornography, abuse myself. You see, by that point, I had high-speed Internet access. I had evolved from movie videotapes to high-speed, on-demand, anything I want, you name it. The smut was there, and I was using, and I was abusing. And so I knew that that night, that's what I would be doing. I knew that when given the opportunity, that's what I would do. You see, every time, I was looking for satisfaction. But every time, I found nothing but shame. And that's the hidden secret. That's the dirty little secret that every man knows who abuses pornography, but never wants to talk about. They never find the satisfaction they desire. They only have shame. And that's a a downward vortex sucking you further and further into more and more base images. Well, my wife and I get married. We buy our first house. We move in. And it just so happened that my wife's family went through some hard times and they needed a place to stay. So my My mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and my two brothers-in-law, all that, they moved into our house within a year of of being there. And I was living like, you know, a drunken sailor on shore leave, you know, gone mad. I had no desire for personal holiness. I was uh, very infrequently going to mass at all, if at any. And I was cussing like like a trucker, you know, gone off the deep end. I just was living a bad life, abusing and using as often as I possibly could. I was bitter and angry at the world, and my wife and I were at our limit. I couldn't stand my, my, my in-laws, and I, at this point, was barely even, just barely even standing even my relationship with my wife. And she had had enough. She had put up with me way too many times. She had busted me on too many times. Her heart was devastated. I basically ruined our relationship, our covenant oath. And then my wife said, enough is enough. We're done. You go your way, I go my way. And I remember, because I also lost my job at that time. And I felt like the whole world crashed down around me. I had nothing. I didn't have a job. I wasn't bringing home uh, an income. I certainly brought home zero integrity or zero honor. And so what good did I bring home? What, what, What could I offer? I offered nothing, and my wife knew it. I got on my knees because I was at my end. And I was sure that that day when I cried out for help, that the one guy who I always rejected, God, wouldn't come to my rescue. Why should he? Why should he come to my rescue when I refused to turn to him when I needed him most? But, you know, here, when I was at my lowest, then I just somehow expected him to come and, and rescue me so I can get back to my old ways. And I got on my knees that day. And I said simply, God, I cannot do it. I give it to you. You have to do it. And in that instant, I mean, literally, it sounds corny and cliche, but honestly, in that instant, God allowed me to understand things that I didn't understand literally the instant before. It was like the scales fell off my eyes. For the first time, God allowed me to understand the deep need, the desire for personal sexual integrity. I had never, and it was not my desire getting on my knees. Not, I didn't desire conversion. I just desired to be rescued. But in that instant, I, for the first time, I realized that I was leading myself to hell because I was engulfed in this idea of sexual perversion.
1: We're getting short on time. Would you come back and join us for another program? Absolutely, David. And again, thank you so much for listening to Real Catholic Men. And until next time, this is David Renshaw, praying that you Catholic men will continue to fight the good fight of faith and to not be afraid to be the man of God that our Lord and Savior is calling us to be. God bless you. You've been
0: listening to Real Catholic Men, heard each week at this time. For more information about this program, please log on to www.realcatholicmen.com or contact this radio station. Real Catholic Men is a division of Real Catholic Ministries and is produced in collaboration with Catholic Broadcasting Northwest.